Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome to the Film Board, the movie conversation podcast reviewing the latest releases that you've seen and want to talk about. My name is Ocean, and I'm the host of the Film Board podcast. On this episode, we will be talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. Ever since I got bit by that spider, 
I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. We started getting some visitors. From every universe. Hello, Peter. You're not Peter Parker. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto Octavius. <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? There are others out there. We need to send them back. So, Scooby-Doo this crap. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. You're flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. What do you mean? They all die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, me too. Today, I am chatting with uh, Kyle Olson, uh, the creator of the Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society podcast, Matthew Fox, creator of the Ethical Panda family of podcasts, and currently the host of Marvel Movie Minute, and Rob Cabosco, a man who needs no additional credits uh, to get their thoughts today about this, uh, about this movie and to share them all with you. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Um, there's no need in going in what we all know about Spider-Man, since we all know Spider-Man. We all love Spider-Man. If you don't know anything about Spider-Man, then you, you have about eight other movies you need to watch before this one, <laughs> and, and, then, and then come back. So instead of talking about that, just talk about what were your uh, expectations going into this film, and, and did it meet them? So I, yeah, I've been a Spider-Man fan for forever. Um, I mean, he's one of my he's one of my top five, but. I think that um, aside from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I will sort of set to the side because it, it's brilliant, but it's it's sort of like it's a different um, set of muscles that they're they're stretching over there than than what they're doing here. I think, from my from my uh, opinion, the the best live action Spider-Man ever was Spider-Man Homecoming. Like I think like they nailed everything that was right. Like and, and I think it's a distillation of what came before. Like they 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 had to make some some missteps and stuff along the way to, to get to that point. But I th- I watched again to anticipation of this. And I think Spider-Man Homecoming is, is like the best Spider-Man that we've seen. I like the, the sequel a lot too. And so I was, I was anticipating, but cause this is the end of that trilogy. Like, Oh boy, like you really gotta like those part threes are really hard to pull off as we've seen, you know, uh, in recent major franchises, not being able to do it. Matrix, star Wars. Um, it's really hard to do that. And like, are they going to be able to do this? Uh, and they actually did. I was, I was, I had really high expectations because there's a lot of people, a lot of actors, a lot way chance for it to be really overstuffed. And I think they, they actually pull it off. I think they actually like have a, they've put together probably the best Spider-Man trilogy so far. Uh, and one of Marvel's best trilogies. I had very much the same experience with Kyle, uh, very much the same experience as Kyle did. 
even though the expectations that I was that made me worry were completely mm. different. Because uh, for me, I like Spider-Man. He's never been my favorite. I loved the Tobey Maguire movies when I watched them. I recently rewatched them to get ready for this and thought they were super cringy and really uncomfortable. Uh, and then came to like Andrew Garfield movies a lot more. And I've, I've liked the Tom Holland character. I have been very nervous about the direction that a lot of the MCU has been going in terms of multiverse stuff. Because, you know, the I, I very much disliked Loki. I di- very much disliked what they did with What If. And I was worried that this movie was going to be a whole lot of how many angels can dance on the pin of one multiverse or another. And I just... I couldn't care less about those questions. And I, I I had a lot of concerns about once you open the multiverse, death has no meaning and nothing has any meaning. I was so surprised by how much I loved this movie and how much I thought they, in part by just a- avoiding all the nonsense that Loki opened up, and uh, which we don't have to get into, no spoilers, they managed to tell a very self-contained story, which... I don't have any understanding of how Doctor Strange's spell <laughs> works. I don't think it made any sense, but I don't care because everything else was so good. And as I'll get to you, I think one of the things that I find most interesting is it's a movie about a character who I fundamentally disagree with. Like, and I'm going to have so much fun when we get to the ethics of it. I'd never stopped laughing. as I, There were so many laugh out loud moments. And then I'd be laughing and get hit right in the gut by a like, oh, I'm tearing up now. And it was just, everything I was afraid of about this movie didn't happen. And the one thing that I most wanted, which is if a superhero is having legal trouble in New York, Matt Murdock has to be the lawyer. It doesn't make sense if he's not. And it was, and it was Charlie Cox. So that's all I needed. This movie on paper is a train wreck. It has too many characters. It has too much fan service. It has too many plot holes. It has a convoluted plot that makes no sense. And it is freaking glorious. Yes. I have (laughs) never seen a movie that the more I've thought about it, the more my brain hurts. And I don't care because I cheered. I cried. I laughed. I loved it. It it's it is a unicorn. As far as I'm concerned, I have never seen a movie in my life where my expectations were that it's going to be everything, but can they do everything? How could they do everything? And they did everything and it's insane. And there are some things that totally frustrate me about it. I don't care. It's just works. I don't know how they did it. (laughs) I I mean, it's kind of funny, Kyle, you talked about how um, the Into the Spider-Verse, which I agree is just a phenomenal movie. This is a very different set of muscles, but in some way I feel like this had a very similar mentality of, first of all, it was playing with multiversal stuff in I think a very similar way of like, look, the multiverse is the MacGuffin, don't ask too many questions, just enjoy the fun ride. But also just the the kind of fourth wall breakingness of it, the kind of meta-ness of it, and the kind of references to screw up things from the earlier movies. Um, even even going so far as to mention Tobey Maguire's bad back. Right. Like I was like, yeah. wow. <laughs> they like really just like for it's like the dig, the more you dig in, the more <laughs> weird trivia stuff they decided to throw in as well. Or the fact that the writers of the Tommy Maguire totally did something new with the web yeah. shooters, and yeah. here they finally made that make yeah. sense. It was, it felt like so much of the the fan service stuff. It didn't feel like fan service. Mm-hmm. It felt like. Yeah, it's possible that in a multiverse, there is one Spider-Man who does shoot webs in a different way and everyone else would be confused about it. You know, like they made it all make sense. Yeah. And in a giant slam bang, 
overstuffed movie full of all these characters. The best things were not web slinging. They were not huge multiversal things. It was the three of them oh, just sitting around totally. comparing being Peter Parker. And the fact that John Watts and, and the writers of two actually let it breathe enough that to be like, this is what we want. You know, like I've said, long said that the best scene in Avengers Age of Ultron is them all trying to pick up the hammer because you it's the only time you get to see them just hanging out. And they left a couple and they had they did it with the villains. They did it with the Spider-Man like they just let them have those moments that we all are just leaning forward like, oh, I want to know every single thing you're about to say. Tell me more. Well, especially because I think that's one of my biggest frustrations often with the MCU is MCU hates team ups. Like uh-huh. it does a lot of team up movies, but like, you know, Avengers movie, they only get together to the end. And then the second Avengers movie, they yes. break them up until they yes. can all get back together. And then they break them Let up them again. Let them be Avengers for a while. You know, I, I love Daredevil. I love that we got Matt Murdock here, but they kept feeling like Matt Murdock and Foggy can't be. Just let Matt Murdock and Foggy sit in an office and talk to each other. And you're right. They gave us here. They gave us that. But like also with the Spider-Man, but also just Norman. Yeah. I, I would pay money just to watch Norman and Osborn, yeah. like a Norman and Otto just sitting and like <laughs> yeah, right? chatting about criminal yeah. philosophy, you know? So uh, the movie opens with, um, you know, basically Spider-Man is, the, I think it opens about five seconds after uh, Far From Home ended. You're right, he's still on the billboard looking up and, he's, and he sees Mysterio revealing that uh, Spider-Man is Peter Parker to the world. Uh, and then for reasons that I still am not fully understanding, but I just, again, I don't think about it. Uh, everybody looks at Mary, uh, not Mary Jane, MJ uh, and I, I honestly I was calling her Mary Jane until this movie um, so looks uh, at MJ and says are you Spider-Man's girlfriend and they have a little swinging scene to try to get away now everybody knows who uh, that Peter Parker is Spider-Man we have another couple days of him starting his senior year in high school and then uh, him realizing that the and, and he and his friends not getting into MIT because MIT knows that he's Spider-Man and he knows that they're his friends right so from there uh, as Peter Parker makes the obvious logical leap of talking to Doctor Strange about, hey, could you just erase everybody's memories, <laughs> right? And, and so, and, and Doctor Strange, for reasons that uh, Doctor Strange hears his list of four people that are affected and thinks, yes, these four people being affected do in fact outweigh the memories <laughs> of all the entire globe, <laughs> and, and that is kind of the, the, the to me the uh, the initial event that kind of kicks off where we are with everything. And so, yes, the scene ended in a very humorous way where Doctor Strange asked him if he actually talked to the admissions board about not getting into college, and he said no and threw him out of the house. Funny, yes. Look, he's a Zoomer. Zoomers are going to do what Zoomers <laughs> exactly, do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Call someone onto the telephone? World, world-changing spell? Pick up a phone. <laughs> world-changing yeah, spell. Yeah, absolutely. And so then I think that's really kind of where I wanted to really pick up the conversation here about, uh, you know, with, with this Tom Holland's version of Spider-Man and this motivation, right? So does his motivation make any sense? And how do you feel about, like, what, what it means to then go this route, right? To, to, to think that for Spider-Man to go from, hey, hey, there are a hundred different ways I can solve this problem. Let me go to something globally cataclysmic first. I know Matthew's going to have a lot to say about this, so I'm going to try and jump in first. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, from from the Peter perspective, I think it 100% is a Peter Parker thing to do. Like the, that he looked at this and the like, it's my fault. I ruined everyone's life. It's because I was trusting or dumb or whatever to go to Dr. Strange and say, hey, can you do it? Because I don't think he even knew exactly what he was asking. Like, can you do a thing? You know, was it rolling back? He originally wanted to roll back time. He actually wanted to time travel back and, and make it so it didn't happen. Um, but he 
you know, doing this is a very selfless, you know, kind of Peter Parker thing to do of like, like, it's not about me. Like, it's not, I don't, it's not about me. It's, it's the fact that I wrecked their lives. I made things worse for them. Can we do things better for them? Now, when you get into Doctor Strange, it was sort of like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. Doctor Strange is strange because, uh, there you go. Um, because we've seen his origin and then sort of where it leaves off. And then there's a huge gap before we get to, when, even when he shows back up again, you know, and I think it was, uh, well, Thor in the uh, Ragnarok, wasn't right. it? The, that's Red the next Rock. time you see him. There's a massive gap there, and he's a very different guy now. And it's like, I feel like we we sort of missed all the, the really cool fundamental, like him becoming a, a good magician. Like we saw how he got his powers and then sort of his first fight, but nothing in between. So like at the, you know at the time he's going up against you know and and, and doing um you know uh, I've come to bargain like he just has one trick like <laughs> and now he's like throwing spells around and all this stuff and crazy like well where did that where did all that come from so I I, I I sort of don't understand who he is every time he shows up I'm like I don't really know who this is or what he's about or what his what what's going on with him what his motivations what his plans are so I don't know if this is just him showing off. Like, just like, yeah, I can do that. That'd be, sure, that'd be fun. Like, I've never done something like that before. Let's try it out. You know, this is, is this the, the, the cocky the cocky surgeon coming out again of like, no one else could do this, but I can do it. And, and, and that's where it goes. I, I don't know. He's a goof. He's no longer Sorcerer Supreme. And yes. that mantle, that, that crown has been removed. And now he's a goof. <laughs> He's a goof that's willing to let the Sanctum Sanctorum be covered in snow and have lackeys shoveling it. It's He's a goof. Like, <laughs> I actually think that's what the message is. And I will say, like, my whole thing about the convoluted plot, this is where I will get, again, the movie's glorious. I love it. Don't think I don't. The movie ends when Matt Murdock is in the room and is like, yeah, Peter, you're fine. You're never going to go to jail. End credits. Done. Movie's over. That's it. Happy? Yeah. Happy may go to jail. Oh, that's too bad. We don't care. Ha <laughs> ha. Happy. You're screwed. That's it. Movie's over. Like that. I mean, they didn't get MIT. Who cares? There's 50 other schools they can get into. Whatever. <laughs> well, not not necessarily. If the reasons for not getting an MIT would be applicable to any other. And school. then they then you know what? They just figure out something else out. They go underground for a couple of years. They've already been through craziness. At the bottom line is this, and this will lead into what I think Matthew is going to say. Here's the deal. Peter is a is a fun loving, innocent, beautiful young man who wants to please everyone. That's his own. He's a people pleaser. That's it. This movie is the story of the conclusion of that phase of his life. But that's what it is. He's a people pleaser. So there's a couple of things. One is for me. The, the real motivations of, of Spider-Man that I want to talk about come later in terms of his motivations for what we do about the spell, in terms of the box and fixing everyone. That's where I really want to dive in. But but in terms of this, I'll just say, and Rob, I think you, you said it perfectly because it's kind of where I came in. I I love a legal drama. I and and not and I, I knew this wasn't gonna be a courtroom movie. Of course it wasn't gonna be. But like I loved the Sokovia Accords discussions, and I think one of the most fundamentally interesting questions about superheroes is, who are they accountable to, and how do we do that? You know, Spider-Man was involved in something, and people died. Who actually decides if he should or shouldn't be held legally accountable? We know, having seen the facts, that he probably shouldn't, but, like, how is those decisions made? I was super excited for a movie that was going to dive into those things. 
And then all the more excited when Matt Murdock was going to hold my hand as we dove into those things. And then 10 minutes into the movie, they said, yeah, actually, that's all forgotten. We're not going to dive into any of those things. And I went, what? Oh, oh, okay, that's fine. And like, yeah, if I go back and think about it, I still want that movie. But then they took us into something else. And I and I feel like, for t- like I do understand the every person instead of just these people, the, the friends, because the issue is that everybody knows, you know, and and. In that, there's a huge con- there's a huge discussion to have about paparazzi culture and celebrity culture and like all this kind of stuff that I think again that's another great discussion that could have happened. Probably better for a Disney Plus series, and that's fine. I think everything's better for a Disney Plus series, but I believe Peter's motivations there again. I think I think you're, Rob, you're right. He's a people pleaser. He's also an idealist. He wants to think there is very clear, bright lines of good and bad, right and wrong in this universe. And to me, so much of this movie is about him realizing that that those aren't those things aren't true, which is part of why I'm okay with the fact that the entire movie he's doing things that I think are ethically horrible. But I love watching him do it, and also I just love all the characters that are happening around it. Yeah, I, I think that for me, part of the, the thing with the motivation of of doing that uh, uh, belies part of you know, kind of a throwaway line that Doctor Strange said, which is, you know, after all the things we've gone through and been through together, I keep I forget that you're just a kid, right? And that the fact that he's a 17 year old high school senior in this movie makes it where this is such a big deal because you know all everybody knows who all of the Avengers are, right? Like, like in the MCU, they're really, I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of any real true secret identities. I mean, Black Panther had one for like, what, the first third of Civil War, right? And then after that, everybody knew who he was. And so, so there aren't any. So then this for any other MCU hero would not be a big deal. Right, you know, you're you're an adult. You're living your life. Everyone knows that you're a superhero. Okay, fine, we're moving on. Right, and in this case, because he's still trying to, you know, I, I think a lot of it is the going to college because he's trying to do a thing that still requires other people to accept him and allow him to do it. That it then makes it where for him and his world, this is is it's such a it's such a big deal. That big deal though uh, gives us the sequence of when he goes and tries to, you know, actually do the logical thing. Hey, let me talk to the administrator of the school board and see if I can convince her to let me. And my friends in, or at least my friends, if not me, right? And then we get our first glimpse of Doc Ock, and then we start the process of the villains. And so, as opposed to just, you know, talking about them in segments, which we definitely could, just, th- uh, just talk about them as a whole in this movie, in that, um, you know, A, you know, I guess I'm going to ask my question to you, uh, I'll, I'll ask my question to you, Rob, in two parts. A, uh, what did you think of them? And, and B, did they bring back too many villains? Not enough villains? Or, or, or like which, where, where do you kind of fall on that as far as, you know, how they chose which ones to bring back from all these different universes? Oh, I think they, they – oh, no, I think it's great because um, Doc Ock, the character is just awesome. Because what, what I like is, is that you have characters that have something redeemable, right? I mean, I think for the most part. Uh, maybe not a lizard. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but there's something redeemable. That's, that's, I think, the distinguishing trait of all of these, of all of this particular set of villains. So you, you have that and you know that, that, that will play out later on. And it feeds into Peter's, his, his way of trying to fix everything and make everybody happy and have a bow on the end. I, I will say, yeah, are there too many villains? Yes. Yes, there are. <laughs> Again, I don't know how it works so well when they start getting into their prison cells or whatever you want to call them. The conversations, the interactions, it's absurd. It works. I, I can't explain it. Yeah. Yes, there's too many. It's it's 
crazy that that all makes sense. Yes, there are plot holes in why Electro is there and what you he's from a different universe, apparently, than the universe that we've even seen. I don't know. Right. Like, sure. I mean, does it make complete sense? No. But I'm I am just simply okay with the number, even though, yes, it is too many. I don't know if that answered your question, but I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it did, though. It, it did. And so the, 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 uh, I guess the, the, the other parts of the uh, impressions of the, of the villains are, at least for me, and I don't know if I was the only one that thought this, Kyle, was, you know, well, why, you know, what do you think the reasons are of why Hobgoblin wasn't included? Right. You know, when the, the initial, because <laughs> yeah. the, the initial impetus of, of, the, of the movie with uh, bringing back the villains or their explanation is these villains all died fighting Spider Man. So, so to me, they, they've left out two, there's two, really three holes in that, in which I was curious, Kyle, what you thought about this. A, um, why is uh, Sandman there? Because Sandman yeah. did, doesn't die. B, where's uh, where's Hobgoblin? And and also, see where's Venom? Right, because you know, because because <laughs> Venom died at the end of Spider-Man yeah. Three as well. Right? right. So 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 then, where are these characters? So do you think that it was you know a, a good creative choice to leave you know to leave these out and include Sandman because he needs a sympathetic villain, or do you think that they should have just you know stuck straight with what they were what they initially said and ditch Sandman, bring in Hobgoblin and, and Venom? I don't know. I, I I don't think there was there were too many, but I do think that the characterization was not evenly distributed amongst them. Like I think Lizard was used just about the right amount. Like I don't I don't think we need to spend too much time with it. I, and, I, and I've said this too since the beginning. Like when when people were talking about Spider Man Two, saying, "Oh, it's it's overcrowded. There's too many in there." I'm like, you don't need a solo Rhino movie. Like Rhino is good just like that, and the same thing for some of these guys. Like they don't need to be the sole focus of thing. They're none of these guys are the Joker. You know that that they are going to have. You just have the one one to one thing. And even in the Dark Knight, there was another villain too. Um, but uh, yeah, the Sandman being there was a little odd to me because I, I like the fact that he's the morally ambiguous one. Like he was he was never really a full villain. He's never really a full hero. But at the same time, then through those the movie, you don't really know what his deal is. Like why does he go off with them? Like when they when they all leave. Like you know, there's Doc Doc Ock gets you know quote unquote fixed, and then he's sort of on that side, and then they all go and Sandman goes with them but like but your motivation was go home so you can get to your daughter why are you running off with them and then why are you attacking them at the at the statue like it at that 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 was neat. but everyone else I think they had they were very clear and they gave them space to work and I think that's how you get someone like Alfred Molina back that's how you get William Defoe back that's how you get even Jamie Foxx get a chance to have more fun in this than you can tell that he was that he was having when he was you know in whatever a blue skin tight suit or whatever it was they had him in. <laughs> well, he got for, to be uh, cool. This whole movie. Right, he got to be cool exactly. And it's like when you see, you go, oh yeah, they really did misuse Jamie. <laughs> you see that when you can see what he does in this. I feel, I think the villains for me are both one of the best part and and one of the most frustrating parts because I think, I mean, Willem Dafoe. I think I mean. Uh, He's not on screen enough, but if he was, I'd want him, like, I'd be talking about him as, like, a nomination because he's just, his acting is so good. Molina's acting is so good. Um, you know, and, and frankly, it's also why I think No Hobgoblin, well, A, I'm not paying money for something James Franco's in. I think a lot of people are saying the same. He's, you know, there's a lot of sexual misconduct lawsuits and stuff, but also just, he was a terrible actor. I don't want Hobgoblin back. Yeah, he's not and, interesting. And, and, uh, and the, on the other side, I don't want Dane DeHaan back either. To, to me, one of the things that's most interesting about the, the villains, which I think they somewhat screwed up but somewhat got right, is this idea that 
they're not all the same. And that's, they had very different motivations. Peter thinks he can fix them. And, and the way the movie made clear that there's different ways that that plays out, you know, like for Otto, it's literally like outside intelligences are like stealing his agency. For Green Goblin, it's like, well, he's, he's kind of had a Jekyll and Hyde split of his personality, but they're both his personality. For Sandman and for, uh, Electro, it, it's just, they're just people who've gone through hard things and are now making bad choices. And I, I loved that. And I loved, I, I loved that, but I also loved the, like, the team up aspect of it. You know, like when at first Otto wanted to help him, um, and, and even, uh, Norman wanted to help him and just, just seeing Norman and Otto interact. I, I think you could have lost Lizard Man entirely and the movies were just as good. And I think you could have, say, like, you could at least give Sam and Electro either more to do or just taken, taken less, given them more to do with Norman and, and, and Otto. But otherwise, I think it was, all of it was very good. And the acting from all of them was just top-notch. Hey, qu- question. So the implication in the trailer was that these were villains that all were, that Spider-Man killed them. But that isn't why they showed up. Mm-mm. Okay. Correct. Yeah. yeah. The, oh, no, the, they, they showed the up because they, they knew. Yeah. They, who, they knew who Peter Parker did was Electro, by Spider-Man. Did Electro know that? I think he finds out. Oh, does he? He finds out. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that one, but I think he does uh, find yeah. out at the end. We're supposed to watch. I'm going to watch it again with my daughter because I she had never, I'd, she'd seen the Toby one too. So when I got, I, she had not seen it. So I came home from the theater and she just like walked up to me. And the first thing she asked was, Toby? <laughs> I said, yes, Aww. Toby. And so now I've shown her, I've shown her Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew and she loves Andrew Garfield, the Spider-Man. Like she oh, loves yeah, that. Yeah. Like she's like, this oh. movie, she's like, this is really good. Why didn't people like this? And I was like, all right, well, let me tell you where I, the fandom was at the time and sort of had to lay out. So, yeah, I don't get why. I think I like Garfield so much more yeah, than Toby. Me too. I don't, that's a whole other story, but no. Okay. And I got to ask this just because we just talked about this and I don't want to, cause we've already talked about this plot point trailer differences. So there were many misdirects in the trailer that did not show up in the movie. Here's one of the ones that did, and even in the toys, in the toys, which we can talk about too. So one of them is is that in the trailer, when Peter when Peter comes to talk to Doctor Strange and they have the conversation with Wong's, like, yeah, don't do that, and Strange winks in the trailer, not in the movie. The trailer makes it look like Wong says, "Don't do this." Doctor Strange goes, "Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm totally not going to do that." Wink. You know, and then he waits for him to leave. And then it's like, oh, all right, daddy's gone. Let's get into the liquor cabinet. So I, I feel a little bad because I feel a little bit like I'm hawking a late night product or something or like convincing people of a <laughs> oh. cult to join. But I have to say, I felt such a sense of vindication over the last day or two because I have heard from a lot of people saying that all of the speculation, all the trailer content, all the rumors about would this character, that character in, they felt that it, it took away some of the surprise of it all. I very intent, I never saw a trailer. I didn't li- read any rumor stuff. And a lot of people were like, what, what? I felt, I felt like I enjoyed the movie so much more because I had no idea what the trailer, like I had a, a sense that there was going to be something about maybe, maybe Toby or, or Garfunkel, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, uh, Garfield, whatever <laughs> close, his name is. Um, <laughs> I'm still, yeah, still getting it wrong. Um, but yeah, so I do want to like, like hold off. Like I think it is great to talk about trailers if that's your thing. But like to me, this movie is a great example of where, you know, getting into all the theories can really just it it, it doesn't always make the movie better. I, yeah, I, but I think the the strength of this movie is that it works both ways. Because like like Robin like Robin knew probably more than anybody. But like I I what I like to do is I will watch what the studio wants me to see. So like I will watch any released trailer for them. But I don't go seeking out anything 
you know, above beyond. I don't, I don't seek out, you know, gossip and rumors and that kind of stuff. I mean, stuff filters in just because the internet is awful and people are terrible and, you know, but, but I sort of like, I, I want to see what they want me to know going in, but I think, and I had a fantastic experience with it too. So I think that's the strength of this movie is sometimes a movie is only as good as what you don't know. But sometimes even knowing, like, you know, at this point, every rumor turned out to be true. Like, I think everything I heard was like, oh, it's possible that Charlie Cox. Oh, it's possible. That, and like, they're all in there. And it was sort of like, oh, it's like I, I didn't get the sense of, oh, my gosh, I'm so surprised. I got the sense of, oh, good. Like, that's like, check that off. One less thing to worry about. Yeah, I guess I find I'm also a membership of, uh, of Matthew's uh, tribe there where um, once, I, once I identify that I'm going to watch a movie, then I don't watch any trailers for it at all. And I, I actually applied that universally. So I knew once they said the word spider and then followed it with the word man, I was going to see the movie. <laughs> so therefore, true. I needed to see Very no true. trailers. Yeah. Right? You know, so yeah, and, and, I, and I found that those, uh, you know, some of those surprises, like, like I was very surprised to see Charlie Cox, right? And I, and I did not know, uh, you know, as far as all the villains that would come in, I did not, you know, I, I didn't know that, uh, I didn't even know Green Goblin was going to be in there, right? It was great that he was, you know, and I was like, I was like, you know, it's awesome because Willem Dafoe's amazing, but, you know, I, I think I, I have often found that the less I see any trailers, the more I do like the movie, um, but yeah, so then I guess though, before we uh, move on past that, is there anything uh, else, Matthew, you want to talk about as far as what your thoughts are on the choice, on their, on their choice of their solution, right? Like, you know, was it, uh, Peter, of his Peter's either own volition? Do you think that May is an outsized influence of it? Do you think that there's, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the decision to fix them, and then does that then alter everything else that occurs in those other universes? Are you in a, are you in a sense creating a butterfly effect of where you're going to completely alter and change everything that goes on in, in those other in those other worlds? Because when they go back home, <laughs> assumably, especially like just take Norman Osborn as an individual. Well, when he goes back home, I mean, unless they haven't really discussed how time works in this because they, they have to explain why Peter Parker's three different ages. Let's, let's move on. Um, but then that implies that he's going to go back to a universe where he is mentally sane, but everything he built his entire life is gone. Your future is your future. Your past is your past. They've already yeah. explained it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, to me, like, the, I, I would love to talk yes. about his decision to fix yeah. them. But to me, what you're getting at is the how many angels dance on a head of a pen thing that I just I, I can't. I, I love if other people want to get into that question and Kyle and Rob go for it. But that's we, I'd love to have that conversation. But that's a very different conversation that goes off in a different way. But yeah, like getting back to the, the motivation part, I think, is what was more relevant. So, yeah. so for me, there's two things that I think are fundamentally wrong of what Spider-Man does. Um, and, and one is simple. The other is a lot more complex and we'll spend more time on the other. But the first one is. And it, it's a problem they had in Jessica Jones and things like that. I I am all for you know rehabilitation, not punishment. I am all for giving people second chances. The thing is, if you are not sure that you can stop someone from doing bad things, and you release them out into the world to do bad things when you could stop them at any moment, you are now morally responsible for the things that they do. And the movie sidestepped that issue because they somehow decided that. With Green Goblin, Sandman, and Electro out doing their own thing for hours and hours, no innocent people got hurt, which I, I, I think is kind of a cop-out to allow Spider-Man to do the thing he did because he would be morally responsible for every person who got hurt. Like, I want them to be—I don't like pushing the button. I think there's got to be a better option, but I think you have to say it is 
deeply responsible to say, I know these people are running around, they could be hurting people, but I'm not going to stop them in this moment because I want to try and stop them in a more humane way. So that's the first one. And I, and I, to be like, I even hate saying that because I want always the more humane thing, but I think you can't put other people's lives at risk to do that. The bigger thing, though, is I, I think one of the things I love so much about the villains is there's an incredible metaphor here for mental illness in terms of the like, do you punish people for their deeds or do you try to fix them so they don't do those things? Great conversation, but it forgets one vital piece of, inf- of the question. Does the person who you want to fix consent to being fixed? And I think it's why I love that there's a difference because I think like, you know, like in mental illness, like you can have like, if a person's raving drunk and like, or, or, you know, an addict or something like that, that's one thing where you might say, okay, we're going to try and like, we're going to non-consensually try to, you know, get some methadone into their system or whatever it is. On the other side though, like I I, I worked as a um, disability rights uh, law firm for a while at a law firm, I was a lawyer with patients with schizophrenia, where people, their parents were trying to sue to make them take medication to fix them because they were leaving lives that people thought wouldn't, aren't lives that a normal person would want to, would want to live. But these folks did want to live that life. And like, and, and so to me, the comparison here is like, take Otto. Otto, we know, has outside influences affecting him, these artificial intelligences. You want to fix him, even though he doesn't consent. Well, it's not him not consenting, it's them, so go for it. Electro isn't, there's no outside influence. Electro is just a person who's been marginalized and abused all of his life. Now he has the power to do something about it, and he's doing terrible things about it. But it's, it's so just taking that power away without his consent as a way of saying, because to me, he's now still the same person who if he gets power in another way, he's going to hurt people again. So yeah, so I mean, and same, I think you can put like Norman, like I think Norman, you can see through the lens of like, is this disassociative personality disorder or disassociative identity disorder? I'm not a therapist, I'm not claiming it, but like, you could look at it as he's got altered personality here. Like, so does Norman get to make the decision or does the the more, you know, Mr. Hyde part of uh, Norman, the, the Green Goblin part? So yeah, so, so all that to say, I think there's a very rich conversation and the movie is starting that. I don't think it was intending to, um, but I, I, that's why to me, and I think I'm okay with it if we're it, because it kind of, at the end, Peter doesn't get what he wants. But I, I, I think to me, those are the two, those are the two places where I really wrestle with Peter's motivation, where I just feel like he's putting people's lives at risk in order to save people, but even the people he's saving, they're not consenting to it. And that, that to me has to matter. I, I think that, that, you know, that conversation, definitely that topic is very interesting, but I think it also, it, it is also case by case differently. Like with Norman Osborne, I think that he is consenting to it. He's just, because his motivation, if you look back even why he got the way he was, he was being ambitious, trying, he took a, was it the gas or serum, whatever he took and all that, because he wanted to get the project funded and keep going. He, his intent wasn't this. Now with Electro, yes, he's been marginalized. He has some power. So now he's a little bit, and now he's decided that with that power, he wants to hurt others. And that, that definitely is a, is, is a different, is a different kettle of fish there as well because that is i think that really that specific one does lend more to what you're saying right the, the a lot you know uh, even the lizard didn't intend to be that way right and so since the the initial i mean i guess you could take the prime movers if the prime movers didn't intend to end up the way they were then you can make an argument that they are that they would be comfortable being put back to normal so they can make their own choices but the, i think that the the main character you get the most out of that uh, discussion and thought process is Electro because he's not he's not artificially altered in some way that was against his intent. Yeah, I think like Doc Ock is at one end, 
Electro's at the other, and then the other three are in a gray area between. Because like with with the lizard, especially, you're right, it's not what he wanted, but his mental faculties are not being affected at all. So like the question of like, does he have the ability to consent to something or not, I think is is a very open question. At least, at least I, I I don't remember that part of the movie too well, but I don't like it seemed like he's he was the same his mental goals before he became a lizard and afterwards were basically the same. Well, yeah, it's it's. I was actually talking about this uh, when I, when I showed it to my daughter too, because so it is it, she because she had she was talking about some of the things you're talking about in terms of what his motivations are because he's a he's a person who has a disability. I don't know if they specify like if it, if like he lost the limb or if he he didn't have it. But you start out from uh, this happened to me. I want to get back to quote unquote normal. So like that's so he's doing all this scientist so to get himself back to there and then. The sort of then the next thing is like, but do you need to be like, can't, like why why is that a bad thing for you to have something that's different about you? And then you sort of draw that line to, oh, then if I can do this and I can fix myself, quote unquote, fix myself, then I can fix other people. And oh yeah, if you just keep drawing that line farther into supervillain territory, then why don't we make everybody into lizards? Like it's like okay, there's a there's a big jump there, but uh, but that I mean that's that's so at one at what point did he sort of lose the ball? Like did, you know like what at what point did he go from you know a person wanting to help it to I don't know genocidal maniac? Like there's 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 something in there that happens. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I don't even having just watched the movie, I don't know exactly where that is. But it's interesting because that sort of they sort of brush up against that, but then he just ends up being the green scaly thing that runs around and claws people. Like I, I think what the movie was trying to say is that they are all that in every case the actual person is not is not in control. There's an outside influence, and so they cannot give consent, and so it's okay to fix them. And I just I don't think they sold that, which I think is kind of great because I mean, it raises a really great question. But I'm not sure it's what the movie was wanting to do. <laughs> okay, um, so let's uh, let's move on to talk about the multiple Spider-Man. So since we had multiple villains from multiple universes, we we also uh, were treated with uh, multiple Spider-Men from multiple universes. So I, I think we've, uh, we touched on earlier that we uh, definitely all enjoyed the relationship they had with each other. Um, uh, but uh, Rob, do you think it was a net uh, positive or negative to bring them all back, right? Because you could have had this same situation where only Tom Holland Spider-Man has to deal with all these different villains and figure everything out. Or, you know, like, do you think that it was a an addition to the movie to bring them all back or a bit of a cheat to make things easier to bring them all back? You know, like what have you thought about as far as having multiple Spider-Man as well and then, you know, alongside all the multiple universe villains? Oh, it's not. I mean, the cheat. Okay, this was infinitely more complex to do this. So, I mean, it's not a... I mean, I I think at least. I mean, it, it adds a whole different level to the to the fabric of that third act. So, no, I mean, it's a net positive... It was inc- it was incredible in that the moments you had, whether it's um, Andrew Garfield and the MJ moment. I mean, that's just outrageously incredible. It is the fact yeah, that I, I, I yeah. found myself getting emotional. Oh, that. my God. Yeah, are you kidding? I, was, I'm I, was, I was literally crying about it in the theater. And even when I explained to someone afterwards, I started. Crying yeah, if you don't, again, if you don't know meant everything. To right. Me. No, I mean, if you don't know it from there, but but they did enough to make you realize Andrew Garfield showing the emotion of it. You, you you got all the breadcrumbs that you needed to know what that meant when it happened. That was incredible. The whole scene, you're right. I mean, Kyle mentioned this with, with Toby's back. 
I mean, the fact that they went, I mean, they've mentioned that before. That was, a, a I think, what, in Spider-Man 2, they kind of mentioned that or something. No, this one, they have Andrew Garfield snapping his back in place. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. amazing, right? <laughs> but so the good. whole idea, I, it is worth it because the whole idea that you are helping Tom Holland Spider-Man reach that level of maturity to know, dude, this, this is what we do. Like, that moment, and then to break the wall when he does, when he runs back. I mean, our audience, I'm sure your audience is. When he runs back and gives the hug and goes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow. What an, what an amazing, the only other show I've ever seen break walls like that is Doctor Who, where that is speaking directly to these guys for everything that they did there, what their characters meant to the whole tapestry of, of comic book movies. I couldn't even have imagined. I I knew these guys were going to be in the movie because if they weren't, we mm-hmm. would have rioted. I could never have imagined moments like that. Like the fact that those moments all happened is just the moment where they all get to point each other like the cartoon yeah, in the yeah. lab. Are you kidding? <laughs> or like, when he says Peter and they all three yes. turn around and say. <laughs> just no, the, Peter yeah. Parker. <laughs> like, no. Jeez. <laughs> the, the, I, I have two things there. One just on that, like him catching MJ moment, which... First of all, I just have to say, after watching the 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 Tobey Maguire movies again recently, nothing against Kirsten Dunst, but like, talk about how much what we expect of the damsel in distress character has changed in twenty years. Because Kirsten Dunst is beautiful and does nothing in those movies except stand there and be beautiful and get rescued and scream. And Zendaya gets to have such a great character development and so many quirks, but. To me, the thing that really hit me about the the uh, Garfield catching her, which was so powerful, is how much they trusted the audience. Yes. Because how much could you have met? How many times have we seen that kind of a thing? And then suddenly we see the flashback that as he's reaching for yeah. MJ, we re- we see the footage of his, you know, of Gwen dying. Like, they didn't do that. They trusted the audience. He, d- She asked him, are you okay? And, and he didn't tell her why it affected him. That that to me is such a sophisticated kind of movie making that I don't normally expect from the MCU, and like we've talked, we were joking before about how many times we have to see the damn like pearls breaking with the Batman story. They trusted us in that moment, and I think it's why I think it was the single most powerful moment of the movie for me. Yeah, at least. It was for me. I mean, like that. I, there's a couple. I, I say I cried three times, and like that was the one that got me. And then even afterwards, my wife was like, "What was it that that really affected you?" I was like, "It was," and like I started again. I was like, "Oh, just thinking about it made me do that." But uh, so I want to step out of of the, this suggestion into into the larger fandom thing because fandom as as a thing for anything for in in the geek world can be toxic there are awful people out there with very I'm star wars star- fan, i have no idea I what you're talking <laughs> about star wars is what i was i was going to talk about star wars uh so there there's a lot of like there's a lot of entitlement there's a lot of gatekeeping there's a lot of negativity but a couple of times, like, and, I, and and so so for those who are older who have been through, who the ones who were beaten up for reading these comic books that are now making billions of dollars, um, like we, I, I, it gives me a lot of joy to see people talking about Thanos when I'm like, oh man, like they used to they used to rip up my comic books that had Thanos in them, and now like like the kids are wearing them on T-shirts. This is amazing. So there, but there are there are still that negative, awful things that people being negative and awful things. So when we were at Star Wars Celebration, Hayden Christensen came out, and the audience gave him the most thunderous applause. This wave of 
kindness and we love you. And then Ahmed Best came out. And if ever there was a person who's been treated the worst by the fandom, it's Ahmed Best and the love that came to, from there. For those who don't, you want to say, yes, Ahmed Best played Ahmed Jar Jar Binks. And faced the worst, I mean, almost to the point of driving him to to suicide. Like, I mean, it was terrible. But he comes out on the stage and the love and affection that went out towards him of like, we love you, like, ignore those people like this, this, you are part of this family, you are welcome here. When I was watching this movie with the fandom, when Andrew Garfield showed up, the people went crazy and it made my heart grow three sizes. Like that movie had gotten so much crap online. People have made so much fun of it about it's a Sony. It's, it's a Merc. It was just all about trying to get more movies and too much stuff and overstuffed and, and all and like he's emo and all these things. But that, that audience that I was in loved him. They like unequivocally was like, that's us as our Spider-Man. And they did the same thing with Toby, but like Toby has a much longer thing. And he was the first sort of big time Spider-Man. Andrew did not get that kind of fan embrace that he does. But now I feel like he has. And I, I think I, I'm hoping people go back and look at those movies again and see that there is a lot of really good stuff in there. I mean, like not perfect, but like they are not worthy of being as maligned as they were. And I think that's coming around. And so that made me so joy and and to see that when when mj goes over the edge and tom gets knocked away and then he comes shooting in the audience went <gasps> there was this big like thing and then he catches her and everyone just exploded it was like <gasps> and I, I, I i couldn't i was like this these are my people like i'm in the community like i know there's a lot of stuff going on with people not being safe and going out and and i get that i 100 understand it i'm like one of my family just got, had a breakthrough case i i get it but like there is something magical about being in the theater with the people and having everyone on the same page, having the same emotion at the same time. It was glorious. And yeah, that was that for me, that was the moment. There's a couple other really, really fantastic ones. But like that for me was so much about not only the filmmaking, but legacy and fandom and, and, and embracing the past and you know not shying away from the things that, that were, quote-unquote, a failure. And it just, yeah, it, made, it meant everything to me. So what was one of the other, well, you mentioned it now a couple of times, now I'm curious, what was one of the other uh, moments that with the multiple Spider-Men that you, that you felt were as emotionally impactful? Uh, well, I guess, the, I guess what it comes down to is, is of course, the big, the big emotional gut punch to this whole movie, which we, we haven't talked about yet, is the death of Aunt May. Like, like that, that was, I was sort of, it, it was, it was building up to it. I'm like, oh, are they, are they really going to do this? I was sort of like, is, is this how it's going? I mean, even when she was just going down the lobby, I was like, oh, oh, oh. like I, I kind of felt what they were doing. And for me, like her dying and, and saying the words, you know, saying with great power, that was huge. The fact that she got to do it and that there was no Uncle Ben, like all the way through, we've sort of been wondering, was that someone from back? Like, no, it wasn't. There was never there. That character doesn't exist in 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 this in Tom Holland's, you know, origin story. But for me, it was this is this is acting and filmmaking and 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 just basically in screenwriting. It's, it's it wasn't about like her saying it. It wasn't about her dying. It wasn't about the death, which was all fine. It was when Peter looks over to Happy and just conveys what happened with just his look. It killed me. 
because Happy knows too, and that's two great actors, and they probably weren't even on set at the same time. Like, just the the look and the reaction. Oh, that was what like sort of when it was. I sort of took like, oh no, man, that's really sad. Like that made it like emotionally resonant with me, and I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think it would come at me that hard, and it really did. I mean, I get goosebumps just hearing you talk about it, and I, I think this to me again is where they trust the audience because avoiding the trope because. I've seen this kind of thing happen in a lot of movies where the next thing is that because of Happy's feelings for May, now he abandons Peter because he's so mad at Peter for getting May killed. And so now Peter's even more alone. And that trope has been used again and again. And so when Happy was clearly sharing the grief, but there was just none of that, it was just so good to me. And and if you don't mind, I want to back up a bit just to the three Peters, because I, I think I don't think I ever really connected this until our conversation, but I think one of the things that the three Peters did so well is is kind of like, you know, Tom Holland, Parker, and all of them, when they're kids, they're looking for someone else to guide them. He's He wants Tony Stark to help him, but Tony can't really, and then Tony dies. He he wanted Mysterio to be his mentor, and that didn't work out well. He wanted, um, you know, uh, Doctor Strange to be, but Doctor Strange is maybe not the best, because he's kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, kid, you're feeling really bad. Let me give you a couple bottles of multiverse vodka to help you get through the pain. Like, not a responsible babysitter, Mr. Strange. Um, and so for the movie to get to a place of the only people who can really help Peter Parker are Peter Parker's. Like, there's such poetry to that you know it's just such a beautiful thing of like uh, you know the three three different generational peter parkers i mean speaking of that it, uh, i i think that was an amazing moment my fa- my favorite moment of the movie there's a bunch but my favorite is he's getting ready to pull the cap the moment from that we saw in civil war the moment that we saw in, in falcon and the winter soldier he's about to oh, kill yeah. him with the shield but with the yeah. thing and the, the fact that when toby comes in and full-on stops him and then Andrew's there to toss the 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 medicine, right? The whole idea, it, it's the literal visual representation of Peter Parker is a good guy regardless of the universe, right? And that and it speaks to this is what we do. The I mean, I just love the way Toby delivers that. It, it is the it is the freeing of him of all of his training wheels. There is no more rope. That is the full circle that this trilogy concludes is he is now Spider-Man because the, this is it. This was it. And I think I, I heard somebody say this. I read this on online a few places that have talked about this. You know, you never saw you never saw Tom Holland's origin because the whole mm-hmm. trilogy is his origin. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very true. Like that this was not it wasn't the spider bite. No, it was all of that to this moment of the, the soft reboot as I like people are calling it. This is you now. No net. You're doing it. And and it's that he's a good person, but he's not a perfect person, you know, because he did have that moment of wanting to kill Goblin, but normally he pulls himself back. And here he did. It, just, it was other versions of him. And in the same way, like a lot, we didn't get that third Garfield movie because, the, you know, fan stuff. And like, I, I very much get that. You know, I, I, I was excited about them because they were just too soon at the time. But one of the big questions was going to be, so what happens to him after Gwen's death? And the speculation was he's going to have to go through that kind of like darkness, you know, period, and pull himself out that they kind of tried to show in Toby 3 with Venom. It was just a disaster. <laughs> and so to have that entire <laughs> movie happen. Come on now. 
<laughs> yeah. it, to have that entire movie happen in just Garfield's one or two lines of, yeah, I went bitter for yeah, a while. I stopped pulling um, my punches. That was, I'm like, oh, what a right? line. Like, I, I want to throw one thing out. We can all argue about which one of these three is the best Spider-Man, and I I think I'm on Team Holland. We can debate that. I think Garfield is the best pure actor of the three. Mm. Like, just in terms of the pathos, the emotion, and maybe it's because he had more to work with, but just what I got out of Garfield, like, I felt like just his face, his tone conveyed so much so powerfully. I agree. I think, and I think he has, he was a great actor, you know, even back then, but like, he has leveled up like like everything is seen. Like just even from tick tick boom to go from that to this you can see he brought all of those skills to this and it's sort of like oh now i want that spider-man i want you know i want like the spider-man as you are now not to go back and do all the other stuff but like from this point forward like show me that guy i i, I really enjoy tom holland's performance of spider-man especially since he stays young keeps him youthful i think it is the closest to what i feel the way i felt when i read the comics books of how i felt spider-man's personality was i think tom holland's performance of that portrays it the best all that being yeah, said totally. toby mcguire is my spider-man okay what's okay. and all Interesting. That, 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 that's my guy. The Spider-Man 2 was, for me, one of the more, like, a lot of the, the emotionally impactful movie for me with Spider-Man 2 was because I felt that there was, it was it's long drawn out and, some, and it's hard to watch sometimes on rewatch, right? But it, there, was, <laughs> there was an emotional payoff at the end that, to me, that I thought that they earned. It wasn't the, the normal, what, what I consider normal superhero fare at the time, you know? And I, and I do recognize that it's a bit of a quirk bat, right? Like, like, those movies come out now and they're not as good, right? But, you you know, at that time, for what we were, what we were, you know, what our superhero diet was at that time, you know, what they what they gave us in those movies was far and away better than anything else going on, you know, in, in that immediate vicinity of time, right? And so, and I and I and I and I, I guess I appreciate and still honor and revere that because I mean, the MCU is flat out the best, right? It's, it's, it's the Rolls Royce of, of comic book movies. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> the, it, it's so good that the MCU is so good they give us a movie this good and it's reasonable for this not to be your favorite MCU movie as great as it was. Right. You know? And so, so I think that the vocabulary and everything of comic book movies has changed so dramatically um, that, you know, how we view them now. And I understand that about the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, but I, I I still appreciate and and kind of revere what they were at that time. And I choose to hold on to it. I, I think you make a really good point there. And I'll like, I was I did not grow up with comic books. I was not a superhero guy. I thought superheroes were cheesy. I wanted nothing to do with superhero media until I saw the first Tobey Maguire movie. And at the time, I loved it. And I I I do not think we get the MCU. I don't think we get that Tony Stark Iron Man movie without that Tobey Maguire movie. And so like and, and to me uh, for me, the cringiness of how they've aged is such that I, I I don't feel like I can say that he's my favorite now. But I do think everything you just everything else you said there of just how important they were and how groundbreaking they were, and that everything else stems from that. Yeah, I can one hundred percent agree with that. And of course, yeah, so, my Spider Man is Nicholas Hammond. So. What? That's true. <laughs> that was just, that was just for Rob. Yeah. <laughs> so Rob, is, yeah, Rob Nick, is Nicholas Hammond your Spider Man? Well, that's well? I mean the the TV show, right? He's the one in the yeah. yeah the there old, was a there was a nineteen seventies TV movie series yeah. of Amazing Spider Man. The first live action Spider Man was Nicholas Hammond. Yeah. Like that was the first Spider Man I ever saw. So when I was you know five, six, whatever it was, that those were on. All right. So, I mean, honestly, Jake Johnson is my yeah. Spider Man right now, but you know, I understand that. No yeah. argument. All right. 
So, uh, so uh, yes, yeah, so Rob, so we all kind of waited on which one of our Spider Man. Who's who's your who's your Spider Man and why? Oh, I, I, um, I do really think Tom Holland is the comic book. It is, it is what the character. Whenever you read or thought about who is Spider Man, I think Tom Holland has just absolutely crushed it. I, I do. I, and I love Tobey Maguire. I, I was not a fan of the Andrew Garfield movies. I hadn't really seen the Amazing Spider Man too. I, cause I love the origin story that Tobey Maguire did, but I think Tom Holland just really, I mean, we've seen him more than any other actor in the role ever. What? This is like the fifth, sixth time in a movie. Um, and there'll be more, I think. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, no, I, <laughs> one more, there's at least one more appearance coming <laughs> contractually obligated. Um, so no, I, I just I, think I don't watch trailers. Yeah, no, I think he, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I think he's just nailed it. I think he just got the youthfulness in a way that no other actor has done. And just that incredible uh, naiveness that just is what you imagine when I think of the character. I, I think we're, there, there will come a time that just like we talk about Batman, we're going to talk about Spider-Man, like who, who did the best. But I think the, the character is strong enough that you can have these multiple interpretations and it's fine. Like you don't have to say best, like, you know, you don't have, because I went as soon as, Tom Holland showed up in Civil War and said, you have a metal arm? That's so cool. I was like, my mind exploded. I was like, of course he'd be a science nerd. Like, that's that's the thing. It's like, it's not about superheroes. It's not about costumes. Like, he's just excited that the guy has a metal arm. And he's like, how does it work? You know, like, he, I was like, oh, that's a totally different take on, on Peter Parker than I've seen before. And like, yeah, all right. It just opens up a whole different way for them to go. And I've been I was super excited with what they're doing. But like, everyone... I think they did a great job in terms of what they were given, you know, because like they're like, like Andrew Garfield is the sort of like tortured emo, like doesn't have parents and like he doesn't fit in anywhere kind of stuff too. you know, and we had the the absolute <laughs> bad luck of <laughs> of Toby where it's just like nothing could ever go right. And it's just like even you watch it now and it's just like, OK, stop beating up on the poor guy. <laughs> but but they're all each different interpretations and they all work. In their own way, we we can have these debates, I'm sure. But I, I have to ask: Would anyone disagree, though, that like Kirsten Dunst, Emma Stone, both great, both very crushworthy? If we watch those as kids, but Zendaya just absolutely takes the cake as the love interest of Spider-Man. Well, this Spider-Man, that one yes. is no question. This Spider-Man, Spider -Man. I, I think. The, yeah. Again, I think you're going to enter into the what were they given, right? Zendaya's performance and everything. I mean, as as an actor, you know, I'm not even trying to judge them as actors, right? But 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 the 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 script and the and the way their character was written allows uh, allows this version of MJ to be very different than the Gwen was or or MJ and Kirsten Dunst. Oh, and to be fair, yeah, I wasn't acting just about the acting. I just, I, to me, this is a much more better written Absolutely. character. Oh, much better. This is yeah, a yeah. much more interesting love interest than either Maguire or Garfield got. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that as far as who, who she is. I think that I, um, I, interestingly enough for me, the, you know, and again, I'm going to, you know, refer back to my reference to Spider-Man 2. I, I felt that it made... When they uh, when he ends up with MJ at the end of Spider Man Two for Tobey Maguire, to me that makes it made a lot of sense. It felt very earned. Um, when and when they end up together, you know, near the end, as far as uh, what is it Far From Home, uh, it, it just felt to me like oh, okay, well that's what's supposed to happen, 
right? It just it didn't it didn't feel the same way to me the way they wrote it. But as far as the personality of MJ in this, it's a far richer character. She has and she definitely has more agency, more to do. I think the best friend is great, um, you, you know, and having having the best friend character and everything and what they're doing and how they they are actually you know bringing in another little mini adventure, you know, on, onto the side of what we're seeing with all the, all these other Spider Men. And so then uh, I don't know, uh, Rob, are there any other uh, performances that are were in this movie of the you know the the lesser the non-villains or non-spider-man characters that uh either jumped out to you either their story or the or the performance the actors were bringing well i gotta say i can't believe that they stuffed this with everybody like the scene <laughs> when he goes back to school and there's the coach from the yeah. from the detention <laughs> like, oh, whoa man you got everybody in this which totally made me laugh um no, uh, you know, I I think uh, I'll tell you, Marissa Tomei just really this was a this was phenomenal. Like the whole death sequence, I I mean, she's a great actress, but you know, this has been an interesting character to play, kind of more or less for laughs, and that whole sequence just really surprised me. Um, how much she got to to really put some teeth in that? Uh, I think that would be it. I mean. I mean, we've, I'm all the other, obviously, all the main characters. And I will just say one other thing about MJ, the MJ character. I don't know if it's selective memory. You know, she's got nothing to do in Homecoming for the most part, except brood. Right. You know, angry with her father. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just I mean, that's and plus he's got the other girlfriend, right? Like far from home. It, it's still a bit of like cat and mouse in terms of the relationship. This is amazing how mature the relationship is. And her role in this, like, she is great. I mean, let me tell you, my daughter was of the age where Step It Up was a was a common fixture in our household on Disney Channel. Wow. What? I mean, she has really got a bright future because I think this has been a great vehicle for her and for her career. I, I would just say I on rewatching Homecoming, I actually think Zendaya, I, I would argue with you about what she gets to do there because I think, A, just the, like, comedic, like, commentary that she does and everything but also knowing like cause when i first watched it i had no idea she was going to be mj like because i just did i thought it was just oh it's an interesting person named michelle um who was kind of like the the greek chorus but what you can see how obsessed she is with peter and, and not just with peter but that she's paying attention there's all these little nuances they give about like her <laughs> noticing him being away and stuff like that that i i I can get. I think the first time you watch it, you, it might not come across. But I think I, I think she has a lot more to do in Homecoming than we might see at first. I guess overall, I'm curious in especially for you, Kyle, what your opinion is on. So, what do you think about it will be the fallout of the story for the MCU? Like, what are they going to do? Because so for me, I, this is in a kind of preface it with my thought of this. They've. Uh, Unlike unlike Matthew, I'll have to disagree with you this. I did like Loki and what they did, how mm. they choose the multiverse. I also mm-hmm. liked that they ended it with Kang, right? So Kang the Conqueror. Mm. I need more Kang the Conqueror yeah, in all of these movies. I agree with that. Right? And so they've now... This is now... Exactly. Yeah, so they introduced him in Loki and then they've introduced the multiverse in in this new Spider-Man movie. They introduce it and then they close it back up, right? They close it back up. But you still know that Kang should come somewhere right you know and so they, they, that they, they they've opened it introduced the idea closed it back up so then what do you think will be the fallout of of this story in the overall mcu uh, mcu like what do you what, you know put on your put on your crystal ball what do you where, where where do you think we're going with this next well i'm with matthew in that i worry about multiversity like i, I really worry that because 
if you if you go back to, and this is the, I would say there's 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 a couple of things I always seem to I always roll out when we talk about this kind of stuff. Um, by the by the rules of Endgame, there is no reason why they couldn't travel back and just and just catch Black Widow and bring her back. There's nothing there's nothing in their in their lore in their setup that would stop them from doing that. Which means you could do that with anyone. Which means death means nothing because you can just pluck somebody out of an ultra reality that's almost just like, you know, because when you go back, you're creating another path on that one. So that means, oh, yeah, so you can just take them from there and it's fine. Everything's, you don't, you don't need stones, you don't need anything. All you need is Tony Stark's little uh, hand thing and some pin particles and no one has to die ever. Well, but just remember what if taught us that there can be fixed moments in time that cannot be changed, even if that fixed moment in time only occurs in the middle of a what if story. <laughs> <laughs> nonsensical yeah, thing. It's, it's, she can't. So, uh, this, this is. A, I don't know. This. I, <laughs> Sorry, I, worried, no, no, I, 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 I have my own rant too. No, you're so right. I'm, I'm, you're right. Where, I'm right with you. I mean, like, there's the, 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 because, like, you have to close those loops, guys. Like, when you when you when you introduce something like this, you have to say, and now because the Infinity Stones are destroyed, it no longer works, or something. You need to close your loop because if not, then things go can go badly very quickly. Watch the first season of Heroes if you want to see what happens when people. People don't do their homework about writing superheroes and you give two people the most powerful powers you can have and then watch go oh wait this one character can solve all problems instantly how do we throw all the things at him it can go very very badly so it, it, it is it is a tool and I, and I I just hope that they're using it with 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 care and discretion and that they are somewhere that there is a a, a big book that says here's what you can and can't do uh, so but having it this way like having it having a a a, a one one sort of uh, one rope one gimmick one one little thing of those who know Peter Parker you know is spider-man those are the ones who get pulled in and then there, there actually is a, is a multiversal sort of comic booky six six one six kind of rule about why these ones in particular the ones that we've seen before. There, <laughs> but that that gets like super super nerdy. We don't get need that far. But there is a comic book precedent for for why these these ones would come over is because they're they're very close uh, proximity wise in terms of the the multiverse. Uh, <laughs> so that all that being said. Um, I'm, I'm interested in what they could do with this, but I, I am worried that we're going to be seeing like multiple everythings. Uh, like I, I, they, I think the like the multiversal war. Okay, fine, but then once you do that, okay, now there's ten Captain Americas. Now there's ten Iron Men. There's uh, okay, and, and like it's like you 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 have you can do that, but. To what end? Mephisto. Like, to what is the like, This was a great moment okay. in terms of like when they when they when they narrowed it down to people who know Spider Man. They opened it up and you could see there's Craven the Hunter, there's Rhino, like all those kind of things. Oh, that's exciting! Like all these all these like you you can see all these ones from different universes coming over. That could be really exciting, but it can also end up just being a, a cosmic mess where you just take all your action figures and dump them out in a pile on the floor. So. I worry that that's that this is this is where, you we're, mean, where we're going. You mean Tobey Maguire Spider Man Three is what you're going for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean like the, the, the this this movie technically is overstuffed, but they but they were very careful in how they did it and they and who they chose. They could have thrown in any actor and made him any Spider Man villain and put him in here, and it and it would not affected the story at all, but it would have made the movie weaker. So I think they were smart in terms of limiting it down to ones we had seen before because they didn't have to. 
the multiverse is open. Like you can have whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's Hugh Jackman shows up as, as well, Miles Hunter. Morales sure, could have popped in. I mean, right. Like, okay. right. Yeah. You can, you could have, you could have pulled in, but from, from Spider-Verse, you could have had any of those. You could have had Jake show up as Peter B. Parker. There's no reason why you couldn't, <laughs> it, but you, they, so, but it is, you have to, you have to measure it and be very, very careful with it. Go ahead. Okay, Rob. Rob. Tell, tell us why the multiverse is great. So here's the thing. <laughs> well, no, it is, but here's the thing that, that I got completely frustrated with. Where's the TVA? Yeah, right. Because because I counted seventeen Nexus events in this movie. I mean, pulling out you. Matthew talked about this. You pulled all those villains out. You fixed them and sent them back in. Twelve Nexus events, right? Like there's Nexus events all over this place, and the TVA still there. Kang's there, and I don't understand. So th- th- here's here's something that blows my mind. Here's a big thing that blew my mind, not in a good way, and a little thing that blew my mind. Big thing is. Does this was this fissure in the multiverse related to what happened in Kang's office when they let it run out? Like, hold on a second. What is that's a question when when in that and because, you know, Kang right? talked about how things are happening at the same time. So, like, this is after that. I, I mean, and, and, and granted, I am sure I'm sure this is why the next movie Multiverse of Madness, because I am sure that there's a way to connect all this. But how do you not? I, I just I'm my mind is blowing up at that. Plus, the other thing is, okay, again, I appreciate the soft reboot of Peter, but let me get this straight. So the final spell is everyone will forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So so Flash's book, is it still published? Oh, this makes no sense whatsoever. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All the YouTube videos that are out in the universe. So what is how does that exactly work? People see it and they and there's just a, a hole in their eye that they can't see Peter like I think this I think the spell covers that. I, I feel that if you if you're going to go with uh, the spell can affect memories, let's just say that technology is not a problem either. <laughs> but what about the book? Well, yeah. but here's the question. We know that Spider-Man still exists because he meets Happy at at May's grave and and Happy says I knew her through Spider-Man. So what happens when Peeper says, oh, yeah, shoots away. Right? Guess who I am. He could just tell them exactly. He he can't. Okay, so they they did this in the comic, and they did it much worse. So, like, this is a a much, even even with all the problems, this is a much cleaner version of what they did in the comic. Uh, Because that basically, when he he can, from this point on, he can tell anybody that he's Spider-Man, and it's fine. It was a one-time spell. It's not not an ongoing thing. Okay. I think I knew we were going to yeah. like it. So he could. So at this point, he could have just turned to Happy and be like, "Hey, by the way, I'm Spider Man, and it's fine." And he'd be like, "Oh, you're," and it turns into a whole thing. Like he'd have to explain it all. So he can, but he just well, doesn't. Well, he chooses well, not no, to. No, and he doesn't because they show you the moments. He doesn't tell Happy because he's standing in front of May's grave. He doesn't tell MJ because she, her, her hair goes back, and he sees the band aid, and he's reminded uh, that was because. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Right. Like I get it. Yeah, yeah, maybe which I will say, I, I wonder if you all got the sense. To me, that moment with where he says he basically decides, I'm not going to tell MJ because if she's close to me, she'll get hurt. He basically found a better way to do what Toby tried to do at the end of the first movie. You know where because the thing is once. Once, once MJ knows, and yeah, yeah. Once, Kier- <laughs> once Kirsten Dunst, MJ knows that you can't put the ketchup back in the bottle. But, but, and and so I feel like that's part of why that make that didn't work for Toby. It felt very intentional to me that here he he's able to do the same thing. He's able to walk away, but this time Zendaya isn't crying as she watches him walk away. She just doesn't know. Yeah, I would agree with that. 
Yeah, I, I think he realizes their lives are better without him and his problems being in them. Like he sees them, oh, they're happy. They're and they're going to MIT. Like their lives are going fine. Yeah, maybe I am the problem. So maybe it's maybe telling them getting I think is selfish on my part. And maybe I should just like let it go and be like, okay, that maybe like it's better that I step away. All right. Well, so then is this the question is because this is where I do see if you can make the deal work, you could go for you could move forward with the underground Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland. And you've got Daredevil and other characters, and it becomes a totally different take. We we even have a right? villain who Spider-Man yes. likes to fight, having been reintroduced to the MCU recently. Yes. And and it seems like there's a lot of uh, younger heroes that are showing up right now that he fits right in right? with. Like, it makes a lot of sense that he would cross paths with, let's say, a Kate Bishop well, especially because uh, Ocean, you were talking about this before about how most of the MCU characters are out of the closet, like they're not they're not hiding behind masks. There's only one other major MCU character I can think of who also has a secret identity, Matt Murdock. My dream is Disney Plus basically just does Disney does the Netflix shows and accepts that blood and gore, like to show violence can be awful, is a good thing. I'm not holding out hope. But it might well be that Daredevil becomes an important part of the next, because we know that Sony's doing a whole new trilogy of Spider-Man mm, movies. Well, Pro- Amy probably. Pascal would like to have that happen. It's, yeah. yeah. What if Charlie Cox Murdoch is a big part of those, you know? that. So there is an interesting reason why this movie was released on the day it was, in between the last two episodes of Hawkeye. <laughs> and I think we all noted that the end of this movie ends during the holidays. In New York City. Yeah, this is going back to the bat, that that wonderful season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where it ended right up to Winter Soldier. Like, they pulled it off again. I think there's going to be a massive surprise in the final episode of Hawkeye. <laughs> does does the last episode of Hawkeye not have enough water no, to carry right now? It's got, no, it could... <laughs> Dude, we just watched a movie that had 23 main characters. <laughs> I don't want to spoil Hawkeye episode five, not just for you, Ocean, but for no, all, but right. any listeners. But if Daredevil does not show up in Hawkeye, like something's yeah. wrong. Like they've set it up. No, in a that's way that that's my to. that's my point. Absol- absolutely. I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Well, you know so what? They can Kevin do. Feige tried to tell everybody that about No Way Home, and somehow they <laughs> they doubled down. Yeah. Yeah. Vulture was kind enough to okay. uh, compile a list of lies. Just this once, I'm all in on Mephisto. <laughs> I avoided all the Mephistos every you, time, but just this once. Well, this is who he makes the deal with. He's yeah. the Mephisto He's of Hell's yeah. Kitchen. He's leveling up from Strange. This is why the Doctor Strange spell yes. is so much better than than you know selling your selling your soul to save to give up you know giving up your marriage in order to save Aunt May. So I think we're I think it's fair to say that we think that the fallout of this will be that it, that the MCU now has a quite honestly limitless amount of possibilities since they've introduced the multiverse. Um, so I guess the last thing I wanted to uh, tie, uh, tie up before we uh, get to rating the movie was what did you guys think of the post credits? Um, you know, that the, the, you know, for me, I guess the, the easiest one to talk about, well, let's, I can do it in reverse order. The second one is just a trailer for Doctor Strange. So if you haven't seen a trailer for Doctor Strange yet, Here's your chance. Um, the first one, though, was, you know, having, uh, you know, ha- having Tom Hardy's Venom, uh, you, you know, in, in it talking in a bar, hanging out, right? And then leaving a small bit of his symbiote behind to allow them to introduce Venom into this version of the MCU. I mean, do you, you know, what do you guys, you think that's kind of either a, a ham-fisted way to do it or <laughs> is, does it... 
doesn't flow to make sense because you got to think, you know, I mean, from a outside, you know, from just the real world possibility, they, they can make a Venom 3, right? I mean, not everybody loved the second Venom. It still made decent money. So they could, they could stick with that. But then would the MCU then get the rights to say, we're gonna, we have the rights now to create our own Venom and that we'll bring Venom into the MCU? So I, I will I will start the the conversational gambit with this was the biggest thud in the movie for me because there is no reason he should be there because he doesn't know that Peter is Spider Man. There's no reason that of all of them he should. Tom Hardy doesn't. Neither does right. Venom. It's, it's, right, it's the wrong Venom. They're from a different universe. That '70s show guy Venom knows. But no, no wait. Yes. Yeah. A, well, no, no. But but I think yeah, though, Grace from the post credit scene from Let There Be Carnage. Yes. You got the which idea. Doesn't make any sense either. But, no, but you got the idea. But no. But I think that's the moment. I think the Venom, the the multi, because that Venom, what what I thought was what I understood it as, he can breach across the universes of Venom. So one of those Venom does know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And the moment that you see in the post credit scene of, of Let There Be Carnage is the moment where he's brought in to the universe. And then this was the moment where he gets sent back out. I, actually, I thought it was kind of brilliant. <laughs> okay. Because I, I was like, I, wow, that's one way. That's one way to bring Tom Hardy into this to, to connect Venom without connecting it. Because because we don't want to do that. Now, let's be honest, though. We all wanted Topher Grace to be the bartender, but that's cool. <laughs> but that's cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to give one exception to the word. I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's none. Yeah. It's none. <laughs> it's, I, I, Venom was popular. People liked it. And so they wanted to have it connected. Okay. I get that. But like it made it made no sense that he was there. And the, the most exciting thing from that scene is the fact that um, Danny Rojas was the bartender. Yes. Because football is live. Christ, Christo's the new Venom. If he's the new Venom done that's awesome okay I, I guess i'm with you with the with the venom one and i think that the the interesting thing for me with the when i talk about the fallout of this movie and how it's going to affect the mc overall for me a lot of it too was uh belied in that um sorry was revealed to me in that trailer where you know the dr strange trailer you know they talk about the, it, it basically since you already know it's dr strange in the multiverse of madness it, it seems interesting to me that you that you you basically allow the situation for this for dr strange the character to experience this everything that happened in this spider-man movie and think hey let's open this back up again <laughs> right Be because they because because the conceit at the end of this movie is they've closed it there's no the multiverses cannot breach each other anymore we're, we're done now all the multiverses can live on their own happy way and it seems to be from that trailer it's like no no, no. We, we're gonna go get scarlet witch and we're gonna open it back up oh that's not what i got from that so yeah that was a that's a different wait, 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 read. Hold on a yeah, what, what was your I, read matthew i i, I, I well, I, I left the theater because I don't watch trailers. So if we're going to discuss that trailer, I'm, I will just sign off now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, which is not okay. to say don't do it. I mean, it's a good yeah. thing to do, but I just I, I don't want to see trailers. I don't want to hear about trailers. So. Did uh, Did you watch What If? Yes. Okay. Well, the, the, I say that What If is now important. Yeah, you, it's important. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's important. Actually, yeah. it's not. It's not so, a weird side thing anymore. No. It's actually yeah. important. Yeah. So then, did you? So, then so those of you who skipped it, side. don't skip it. Did you read before the post credits? No, I I watched the Venom one, which I agree was a real thud. Uh, I had been told that the, a, a friend who knows that I don't want to watch trailers told me that the end post credit scene of Spider Man was basically just a trailer for the Doctor Strange movie. So I left after the the Venom. Okay, so okay, so you didn't watch the post credits. All right, okay, yeah, at least that that one. No, we don't have to get into it. 
since we're at the, we are since we are beyond the post credits, gentlemen, uh, why don't we just uh, rate this? So uh, we're on Letterboxd. Uh, True Story FM's family of film podcasts are all part of the Next Reels HQ page. Letterboxd is a great way to track movies you see, write your own reviews, and be a part of a larger community of film lovers like yourself. Sign up for your own account today, and if you upgrade to a pro or patron account, use the discount code NEXTREEL at checkout and to save 20%. The discount also works for renewals. So, um, Matthew, I will, I will start with you since uh, you I have now officially uh, declared that you've seen less of this movie than the rest of us. Out of five stars, how would you rate this movie? I think right now I'm going to give it four stars. I think it was probably in my top ten, easily in my top ten, maybe my top seven or eight of, of MCU movies. Um, I'm curious how it's going to survive a rewatch because I... I I do think that all of those plot hole stuff that Rob, like you said, start to know in your brain, I hope that I can watch it again in a year or two and still love it. I think it's possible that in a year or two, I'm just going to be noticing all the holes and and not because the shock value is gone and I know he's going to catch her and all that stuff. Um, so it's very, I think this movie may not age well, but right now I give it a four out of five stars. I It was just, it was so much better than I thought it was going to be. It was so enjoyable. I just had a fantastic time and I, I have like five different podcasts lined up to talk about this movie. Just, all I want to do is talk yeah, about so it. Without a heart. Yeah. What, what do you mean? Oh, like, so a heart basically, do, do you like the movie. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Your yeah. Faves, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Kyle, what is your, uh, what is your letterbox rating? I agree with Matthew. It's a four stars and a heart. Like, I, and then for the almost the exact same reasons, is that like I, I, I would say the theatrical experience. I would say five stars going up. But like, I, I have the same thing. Like, as as I sort of start to go, mm, eh, eh, and then how much of it? As once you know all of the 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 twists and, and surprises, like, will it still hold up? I don't know. So yeah, so I'm I'm sort of reserving that way. They, like, my homecoming would be five stars and a heart, and this would be four stars and a heart. And then we'll see what how it how it ages in my brain. And uh, he who needs no introduction in the uh, um could have had could have used a little more Tatum. That's all I'm just going to say. But uh, <laughs> here's the deal. Here's the deal. In in the battle that happens in me in my mind between how I how a movie makes me think and how it makes me feel. At the end of the day, feel always wins. Five stars, heart. All right. Nice. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, that is that is fair. I, I, I believe I'm uh, now. What I thought would be an original rating is now not. I also <laughs> do four stars and a heart. I thought it was. I thought it was a very enjoyable movie. The uh, I, I think. I, yeah, I really do fall myself in line with you guys. Where it's, it's a great enjoyable movie. And the less I think about it, the better, um, which which does that. And honestly, uh, Matthew, until you brought up, I hadn't even thought about like whether or not it would be massively different on rewatch because. Uh, but but again, I, you know, uh, I guess I'll get to find it. out. Yeah, well, I'll find out soon because <laughs> I I actually went out on by myself to watch it first, and so my uh, whole family we're all going to go see it tomorrow. Um, so yeah, so then I'll so then I will re- I will rewatch it tomorrow, and hopefully I, I get all of the same feels that I got the first time around. All right. Well, uh, thank you all so much for uh, joining uh, joining tonight. Um, and so, uh, is there anything else you'd like to talk about that's going on in your before you sign off in your true story life? Uh Matthew. Uh, well, yeah. For, first of all, um, apparently, I think my brand can be the person who most drives Ocean crazy because I look at what Ocean, I, Ocean will ask me a question. I go, cool, interesting question. I want to answer this other question, though. So, Ocean, I thank you so much for your patience in in running this and allowing me to kind of run off at the mouth. Uh, I love the way you, you organize these things. Thank you. Uh, in terms of my other 
people want to find me, I am on the uh, Marvel Movie Minute. I have been attempting this season to step into the wonderful shoes of uh, Mr. Rob and Mr. Kyle. Not sure how good a job I've done, but we've been having a lot of fun with Thor. Uh, we got a couple more uh, uh, weeks left uh, to finish that out, so definitely check that out on Marvel Movie Minute. We're having so much fun there. And then, of course, you can also find my podcast, uh, Superhero Ethics, right now, where uh, I'm doing coverage of The Witcher. Uh, season 2 has just come out. Uh, I will be doing an ethics episode on Spider-Man. We'll be diving deep into that. Uh, and then on my Star Wars Universe podcast, uh, in just one week, we will be uh, diving into the book of Boba Fett, which I'm super, super excited for. So check out all those podcasts. Okay. Uh, Kyle, you want to share with us anything going on in your near future? Sure. Uh, the Swashbuckling Holiday Swordtacular is on its way. It'll be here on uh, Tuesday, so Tuesday the 21st. Uh, that will that will end our, our year, and so uh, then we're working on Season 4 right now, so we'll be back early in the fall. First part of the year. I haven't exactly figured out when yet, because, you know, production schedules. Um, uh, Curiosity Codex will be coming back. I've already got a bunch of episodes banked. I'm just waiting to uh, put them in the slot and have them all coming out, so that is, that is still uh, happening. And then, uh, you know, there might be some uh, unannounced projects coming. In, in the near future as well. All right, um, everybody, don't forget to uh, join our online community uh, with fellow movie lovers. Uh, please learn more. To learn more, visit thenextreel.com slash Discord. And again, if you're not already a member, please consider supporting the show. And to learn more about how to do that, please visit thenextreel.com slash membership. And as always, please do the stuff that you're supposed to do with the podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, and of course, listen. But perhaps most importantly, share. share. Uh, please let any of those movie lovers in your life know about the show. The best way we have to get more people listening to the show is you thank you everybody for listening here on the film board we have covered quite a variety of great page to screen adaptations over the years from superheroes like christopher nolan's the dark knight rises based on stories like nightfall and the dark knight returns to horror and sci-fi like max brooks's world war z and hiroshi sakazuraka's all you need is kill which became one of our favorites edge of tomorrow with tom cruise and emily blunt and who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle. Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man. And sweeping sagas like Denny Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grand's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash originals and get your next read today. Mm-hmm.